Amen. I want to take a look at verse 19 of 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having the seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I want you to notice how he mentions these vessels that are there in verse 21, that he'll be a vessel unto honor, sanctified. And the title of the message today is Sanctified Vessels. Sanctified Vessels. All right, so what does it mean to be a sanctified vessel. Why did Paul use that term, sanctified vessel? Because the truth is, if we go to the Old Testament, there's a lot of sanctified vessels that we see. And let's go ahead and look at a few examples uh, to help us understand what this term means. So first off, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 3, because before we can kind of understand the vessels, we need to understand uh, what it means to sanctify something. Okay. And basically, to sanctify something, it means we're going to set it apart and make it holy. We're going to kind of separate it from everything else, and we're going to make it, this is something that is special. It has a specific purpose, and it's going to be, and that, that purpose is something spiritual. So notice in Genesis 2, 3, it says, And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in that he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. So, uh, we see that God sanctified the Sabbath day, that seventh day of the week. God set it apart. In other words, he separated it from all the other days, even though you know Saturday is a day just like all the other six days. But he said, this day, this day is a special one for you. This is one that uh, I want you to give special attention to, one that's going to be holy in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verse 8. It said, remember the Sabbath day. To keep it holy. What does that mean? You keep that as a special day. Don't treat it like a Monday. Don't treat it like any of the other days of the week. This is a special day, and God wanted them to keep it holy. So that, that's what it means to be sanctified. This is something that's special. And often we see in the Old Testament where God would sanctify things, okay? Not just people, I'm talking about things. It says in Exodus 29, verse 43. And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. Okay? Now, how did God sanctify that tabernacle? God literally sanctified it by coming and, and dwelling it. When God touched, when the glory of God touched that tabernacle, that tabernacle became a very special place. It became sanctified. They didn't treat it like any other tabernacle or tent. They didn't have campouts. In that tabernacle, that's not a tabernacle where they, you know, like that one that they lived in. This was a special one where everything that was done in that tabernacle, it was done for the work of God, it, it, uh, for the sacrifices and things. You know, they didn't do tours through the tabernacle and people can come, come see the Holy of Holies, come check out the Ark of the Covenant, get your picture taken by the Ark of the Covenant. No, these things were holy. They were special. And so they gave them a great deal of reverence. And so this tabernacle, one of the reasons it was sanctified and it was so special 
it wasn't just because of the materials it was made out of, even though it was made out of the best that they had during that time, even though there was a great deal of you know, craftsmanship and workmanship that went into that temple, what made that temple so special is the fact that God touched it. God sanctified it with his glory. And so this tabernacle, it wasn't treated like any other tabernacle. It was special. And so, you know, and it would be kind of like this too. You know, if you had some kind of artifact, if you had some kind of thing, let's say that was used by George Washington, we'd make a big deal out of it, wouldn't we? Hey, this, you know, this was what George Washington used or some other historical figure. In fact, you know, let's say even if we had the cup that Jesus drank out of, what would we call that? The Holy Grail. And you know what? I don't believe in the Holy Grail and stuff like that. But at the same time, if I had the cup that Jesus drank from at the Last Supper, you better believe I'd treat that as special. Okay. And we all know it wouldn't be a you know a big fancy goblet. It's the humble looking one that a carpenter would use. And some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about because you're so stinking carnal. Those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, uh, good for you. All right, but you know, still we would make, we'd make a big deal out of it. Why? Because Jesus touched it. Because Jesus used it. That's why people enjoy going over to Israel and going and seeing the place where Jesus walked. It's special because he touched it. And you know, and, and so we. Uh, and, and I don't think we, you know, and, and sometimes people go too far and they make idols out of things. I mean, if we had the Holy Grail, some people would come worship it, which wouldn't be right. And that's probably why we don't have a Holy Grail. That's probably why those things weren't preserved. Can you imagine if we had the cross that Jesus died on? Anybody think anybody would worship that thing? You better believe people would worship that thing. And God doesn't want us doing that. God wants us believing in him by faith. He wants us worshiping him in spirit and in truth. So we don't have those things, folks. We don't have the Holy Grail. We don't have the cross. We don't have the Shroud of Turin. We don't have any of those things. And it's probably a good thing that we don't because we make too big of a deal out of it. But God, he sanctified that tabernacle. He set it apart. He made it special by touching it with his glory. But sometimes man would sanctify vessels. So look at Leviticus chapter 8 and verse 10. It says that Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was therein. And sanctified them. So he knows how he sanctified them by anointing them with oil. It says, And he sprinkled thereof upon the altar seven times, and anointed the altar and all his vessels, both the laver and his foot, to sanctify them. And he poured the anointing oil upon Aaron's head, and anointed him to sanctify him. So when they would sanctify these things, what they were doing, they would make these vessels. And these vessels were man-made. You know, they had guys like Bezalel and Aholiab that, God gave great skill into to making all the materials and things for the temple. And once they got those things, they anointed them with oil. And that was basically something that, a symbolic, it was something they did to show that these are special. These cups that we use for the work of the Lord, we don't use these things just to quench our thirst and, uh, you know, drink out of, you know, at, uh, at dinner at our house. These are only for the work of the Lord. These are special. Aaron was somebody who was sanctified. They anointed him with oil. Why? Because he was the Lord's high priest. He was somebody special. Not because Aaron was great, because when we look at the Bible, Aaron had some problems, didn't he? Aaron made some pretty big mistakes, but understand, he was who God chose to be that high priest for Israel, and so they were supposed to treat him with a certain respect. He was somebody sanctified, set apart, 
They weren't going to treat him like they treated everybody else in Israel because he was something, he was someone who was set apart for a special work. We see for a, a short time until God took the Levites that they would sanctify the firstborn. He was, they were to be set apart for the work of the Lord. It didn't mean, you know, for example, I'm a firstborn, okay? And if I'd have been born back during that time, it doesn't mean that God's just looking at me and saying, wow, you know, look at those firstborns. They're always so much better than all the other kids, right? I mean, all the firstborns think that, right? You know, if you have any firstborns in here. But no, what it meant is they're special because we have chosen, and God has chosen to specifically set them apart and to separate them from all other children for the work of the Lord. And therefore, they are especially unique. We see in Numbers chapter 7, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass on the day that Moses had fully set up the tabernacle and had anointed it, and sanctified it, and all the instruments thereof, both the altar and all the vessels thereof, and had anointed them and sanctified them. So Moses also went anointed, and he sanctified all these things, having this big deal showing they are special. And so the vessels that man sanctified, they were all, you know, they were, they were, not, they weren't special because of who made them. Or because of just the craftsmanship, even though I'm sure it was impressive. But they were special because of who they were going to be used for. Okay, Y'all need to understand that about those artifacts in the temple. Those were special because of who they were for. Because of what they represented. They should have been treated with great care and respect. We see in Daniel 5, you don't have to turn over there. But uh, Belshazzar, remember when he was having his feast? And you know what they did? They went and took the vessels that they had stolen from the temple, ones that had been sanctified, set apart only for the work of the Lord, and then they had a party using those vessels. That was a very wicked thing. And then you all know the story. That's when the handwriting on the wall came, and God basically told them, y'all are finished. You're done. And then the Medes and Persians came and destroyed them and took them over. That was the judgment of God on them for taking something that was sanctified, something that was holy, that belonged to God, and then using them for their own purposes. We see God did not appreciate that at all. God did not take kindly to that at all. And there's an important lesson there. And so as Christians, okay, or just like, so just like they sanctified vessels in the Old Testament, every Christian should sanctify their vessel. Okay, which is your body for God. Okay, you need to sanctify it. And, 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 I, and listen, in this New Testament era that we're living in, we don't really make a big deal about you know, physical vessels, do we? Okay? Now, obviously, we don't want to be irreverent. Okay? Um, you know, we, you, know you, can, you can go too far both directions. All right? you know, we don't need to go crazy with this building and then just... Make it where you're never allowed to have fun or do anything. You know, we can we we have some liberty now in this New Testament era that we live in, and but at the same time too, you know, we still don't want to be irreverent. Okay, you know why why do they call auditoriums the sanctuary? Okay, you know it's kind of something that's special, it's sanctified. You know what? We're not going to have we're not going to rent this building out and let people have some kind of party here. Uh, no, this is our this is our church building. Okay, we're it's special, and I don't like the idea of somebody borrowing our building and having a rock concert or something like that. No, I, that wouldn't be okay. You know, we're, we're not going to do something like that. Obviously, I don't think God's going to, like, kill us all if we do that. But at the same time, we still 
somewhat do that, don't we? You know, we're not going to use our Lord's Supper stuff that we have, okay, and use it just for a regular fellowship and a potluck, okay? We're not going to put our drinks in that Lord's Supper thing and then all drink out of that, okay? Why? Well, one, those cups are too small, and it doesn't do anything for your thirst. But second of all, the Lord's Supper is special, isn't it? We're supposed to remember that. And so you can say that we've sanctified those things. You know, we haven't anointed them with oil or anything like that. But at the same time, they are special to us because they they have a special purpose. They have a very specific purpose. And so the thing you've got to remember, too, when it comes to vessels today, because, again, we don't make that big a deal about this stuff today. But at the same time, in the New Testament, we see that our bodies are the temple of God. And so, and, and think about this too. When Jesus Christ returns, do you all understand that the only thing that's going to get raptured are these vessels? Okay? Our bodies are what Jesus is coming back for. He's not coming back for our communion set. He's not coming back for our offering plates. You know, he's not coming back for our communion table. I knew a guy, we had a guy one time who was preaching. He went and stood on the communion table at our last church and somebody in the church got all offended by him. And, the son, and uh, he, he did the teen Sunday school class. And the next day, he went to Daniel chapter 5 and basically preached about the judgment of God coming because of the way they used the vessels of God. And he was like, we're going to get judged if we don't repent because of that man standing on our communion table. It's like, well, understand, it, things are different now. You know, we've, we're in the New Testament. Some things have changed. But understand, you know, when, when the rapture comes, when the Lord's return, he's not taking any stuff with him. Nothing in this church, I don't care if we anoint it with oil, it's not going up in the rapture. The only thing that's going up in the rapture is our bodies. That's it. And our body is the temple of God. And so as Christians, we ought to treat our bodies with the same respect that we would any other holy item. Why? Not because we're special, but because of who indwells us. And we are to be sanctified vessels And understand that is what we're seeing here in 2 Timothy. This is something that we are being told to do as saved people. This is not something we do to save ourselves. You sanctifying yourself is not going to get you in heaven. You're going to get into heaven because Jesus sanctified you and he washed you with his blood. Because he has indwelt you with the Holy Spirit. But now as a believer, God wants us to sanctify our vessels. He wants us to live in a good way. And look what it says back in 2 Timothy again, chapter 2, verse 19. It says, um, Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having the seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Okay, so how do we do this? How do we sanctify ourselves? Well, first, we need to avoid sin. Okay, we need to actively try to avoid sin. Now, we get accused of legalism when we say stuff like this. But nobody's talking about keeping your salvation. We're already saved. We're already going to heaven. Nobody's talking about that. But what, what we're trying to do, we're trying to sanctify ourselves. Why? Because we want to honor the one who dwells in us. You know, Because again, there's no law in the Bible that says we can't use our communion vessels for fellowship. Okay? We could do that if we wanted and still be Christians, still be God's church. But at the same time, we don't because communion is special to us. So we use those things for special occasions only. Some of you might have dishes in your house that are like that. That you have vessels when it says some of wood and some of earth. 
there like clay. That was what most of the dishes were, dishes were made out of back then. You might have something like that in your house. You have stuff you use for special occasions, and you don't use them all the time because you want it to be special. Some of you might have a special meal that you like, and you don't want to eat it all the time because you want it to be special. You want it to be for a special occasion. And and, and we it's the same thing spiritually. You know, there's no law uh, that says if we sin, we lose our salvation, but we don't want to sin because we want our bodies to be sanctified to God. Since, hey, since the Lord has saved me, since he's dwelling this body that I have, you know what I want to do? I want to separate myself from all the rest of the world. I want this body to be different from all the other bodies that are out there that are living according to the desires of their heart, that are living according to the lust of their own flesh. I've got the same lust of the flesh that the people out there in the world do, but I want to set myself apart from that. So when I see the whole world indulging in certain sins, and I know those things don't please God, I know they grieve the Holy Spirit, what I'm going to do, I'm going to set myself apart and say, you know what, I'm not using my vessel for that. My vessel is going to be used for the work of the Lord. This is not legalism, folks. This is just, this is us sanctifying ourselves in a way to honor God. That's all there is to it. The, the sanctification you do for yourself does not get you to heaven. It does not get, it, it does not help you hang on to your salvation. It's something that you do to honor God. So we need to avoid sin. And so turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And verse 3, this is another thing that's very important that we understand. And it shows how we sanctify ourselves so we can be vessels, meet for the master's use. It says, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Okay? This is the will of God. Okay? Even your sanctification, set yourself apart. Our world is obsessed with fornication. Our society today is full of it, just like the Greek and Gentile societies back then were. It's not even a big deal anymore. I mean, as long as you're over 18, it's like anything goes in this country that we live in. And you know what? That's what the flesh desires. But as believers, you know what we're going to do? We say, you know what? Our God hates fornication. He indwells this body of mine. And so I'm going to separate myself from that. I'm not going to do that. He said, but yeah, but you know what? I'm, I'm still a man. You know, I still want a woman. Well, you know what? The Lord gave a way to do, get that, and that's to get married. That's to find a wife. And you know what? Marriage is honorable and all, and the bed undefiled. If you go and you get yourself a husband or a wife, you know what? Have fun, and it's all good, and you're not hurting. You're not grieving the Holy Spirit of God. You're not sinning. But anything that's outside of marriage, it's a sin against your own body. That's been purchased. Let's keep reading in verse uh, 4. It says that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. Folks, the laws that are in the Bible, the things that it's telling us not to do, it, it, bring, it rots in us all manner of concupiscence, as Paul said. It kind of makes us want to try these things out. There's stuff out there that the world's offering that are tempting, even for a believer. But as believers, you know what we're doing? We're saying, not with this body. Yeah, I get it. I get why the world's attracted to certain things. But you know what? 
this body, it's been sanctified, it's been touched by God, it's indwelt by the Holy Spirit. I want to honor that Holy Spirit, and so I'm going to sanctify myself, and I am going to choose to not participate in that, even though I could and still be saved. But I want to sanctify myself. I'm going to know how to possess my vessel. This vessel no longer belongs to me. This vessel belongs to God, and therefore, I'm going to stay away from those things. And a good way to illustrate it, okay, you know, I have a car, okay? It's my car. I can drive with it how I want. I can trash it if I want. I can speed, drive reckless, you know, peel out the tires. I, I, I can do all kinds of things. It's my vehicle. But if I sell that vehicle to you, and then you allow me to use that vehicle, should I drive it the way I used to? No, in fact, if it's now yours and you're allowing me to use it, I shouldn't use it in a way that you wouldn't want me to. You know, you ought to be able to set some rules for how I use it. I told people before when they borrowed my car, hey, just don't let me see it parked out at the bar. Something like that. You know, I've told people that, just kidding. You know, don't go somewhere I wouldn't go, you know, with it. You know, don't go, don't go driving it to the adult bookstore. You know, I don't want people seeing it parked out there. You know, that, you know don't go somewhere that I wouldn't go with it. Why, why am I saying that? Okay, because it's my car and it's going to reflect badly on me if you're using it like that. And understand, we belong to Christ. And when we're out there doing things that a Christian shouldn't do, things that we've been specifically commanded not to do, who do we make look bad? We make God look bad. Just like David gave great enemy, occasion for the enemies of God to blaspheme when he went and he committed adultery with Bathsheba and committed murder when he killed her, had her, her husband Uriah killed. That made God look bad when David did that because David was a, a king, the king of Israel of, over God's people. He was somebody that God had chosen. He was a saved man. And when he went and did that, he made God look bad. And so understand, this vessel that you have, at one time, you did what you wanted to with it because it was yours. And understand the devil, he will let you do whatever you, you want to do with your body. You know why? Because what we want to do is sin, and sin brings forth death, and then he's got us. So yeah, when you want, when you were, before you were saved, when you were just walking according to the course of this world, okay, you were doing what your own dirty flesh decided, wanted to do, and you know, it was your body, your body, you know, you can do that if you want. You're going to pay the consequences one of these days. But you, you know you, that's exactly what you did. But understand, when Jesus came and he saved you and he purchased you and he washed you and he cleansed you, you don't have the right to do that anymore. For you now to go and live the way you lived before, that is very dishonoring to God. That is something that reflects badly on God. You want to know why, you know, one of the reasons so many people reject once saved, always saved. One of the reasons pe people reject, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, it's because of all the people out there who are not doing the good works, who are doing bad works and making Christianity look bad. But understand, just because there's people out there that you know, are a poor reflection of Christianity, it doesn't mean work salvation is now true. It doesn't mean you, know, you have to repent of all your sins in order to be saved. Okay? It, just understand, those people just make real salvation look bad. And there's a lot of people out there like that. So we need to recognize who the owner is. You know, just like I, you know, if I sell that car. Yeah, when I, back when I had that car, when it was mine, I did this all the time. 
Yeah, but it's not yours anymore. I'm just letting you use it. We've got to understand that it's the same thing. It's the same thing when it comes to our body. So turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. So being a vessel of honor, it is based off what you do with your body. Look what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 in verse 21. It says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So we should be doing good works. Because what does it mean to be meat? It means suitable. Okay? We're trying, if we're purging himself from, from these things, from these sins, these things that we used to do. Okay? To purge something. It's like if you purge a branch in a tree, what are you doing? You're removing other branches. You're removing some things. We should be removing some things from our lives. We should be getting rid of sin that we deal with, sins that we struggle with. We do this after we get saved. You know what this is called? This is called repenting of sin. This is something that we ought to do after a person gets saved. After Once a person has realized, you know what? I can't, I can't clean myself up good enough for salvation. I can't repent of all my sins. I'm not capable of that. I'm just going to trust in Jesus to save me and get me to heaven. I'm going to rely on his righteousness. And then once we do that, the Holy Spirit dwells us. And then that Holy Spirit, he tries to help us and to teach us to purge ourselves from sin. And what do we do? Then we start removing sins that are in our lives. And what are we doing? Whenever we remove those sins from our lives, we're doing that to, we're showing that we recognize the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that he is Lord of our life. I'm going to let him tell me what to do. You know why? Because this body doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. And when you use something, if you borrow something that belongs to somebody else, you should respect that. You should respect the fact that they own that, that it doesn't belong to you. You shouldn't treat it however you want. And we need to, we've just got to get that in our heads when it comes to our, our bodies. Because if we'll do these things, we will be a vessel of honor. We'll be something that's sanctified, something that's special, something that is meat for the master's use, use. And we'll be, we'll be that vessel of honor. We'll be that, and just like people have vessels of earth and uh, wood and things, we want to be that vessel of honor. We want to be something that reflects good on Jesus Christ. We want, we want to be something that makes him look good. Our, our doctrine that we preach in this church, y'all understand that um, you all are a reflection of that. Because think about it. You think about all the people out there that are out there that hate what we believe and what we stand for and what we preach. They would love nothing more than to find out that some of y'all were, you know, cheating on your wives or murdering people or, you know, whatever. You know, and, and then you know what they would do? If it, if there, if it was out of the news tomorrow that one of the church, our church members was a mass murderer, you know what? There'd be all the Calvinists out there making videos about us saying, that's what happens when you preach, you know. Once they would always say, that's what happens when you preach salvation like these guys do. And that just makes people think they're free to just go, you know, rape and pillage and murder uh, with absolutely no consequences. That, isn't that what they're going to do? And listen, if somebody from our church went and did some kind of horrible thing, does that now mean the Bible's not true anymore? No, the Bible's still true. But you made it look bad. You 
were a vessel of dishonor to God. You made him look bad. Listen, God's word is always true. Salvation is simple. Salvation is without works. But when you go and you get saved and then you just continue living like the world, acting like the world, you are a ves- you're, you're not a vessel of honor. You have not sanctified yourself and you are not meet, you are not suitable for the master's use. I want to be used by God. I want to be something that God is not ashamed to use, just like, you know, you might have some of those vessels at home in your cabinets that you would be ashamed to use for company because they're not in good shape or they're ugly or they're cheap or whatever. You know, we should be some we should be something that God is not ashamed to use. And just like, you know, we use the illustration all the time. You know, if you had a dignitary coming over, if you had the president coming over for dinner, you would want to put your best out there. You would want to have, you would, you would, you know, hopefully you would have some things that you wouldn't be ashamed of uh, to place before him. And understand God wants to use us as Christians. God has a desire to use us. God wants us representing him. And we ought to do that well. And you're not going to do that when you're being just like the world. Listen, God can save you no matter what you've done. You know, and, and you know, thank God. You know, I, I'm encouraged when I see people that, you know, they do, they have the scars of sin all over them. You know, and, you, and when God uses them, and God can still use them, and I believe they are a great uh, reflection of the grace of God. But at the same time, when you're, if, when you're saved and then you start getting new scars, you know, thank God, you know, if you're, if you're saved today and you're tattooed up, you know, thank God he still saved you. You're saved, God, but you know what? Don't go get new ones. You know, don't go adding to it. You know, thank God if you were all pierced up when you got saved. I mean, you just mangled your body. But you know what? Don't add to that. Say, you know what? I messed myself up really bad. You know, maybe you were a drunkard. Maybe you were a drug addict. And you did. You messed yourself up pretty bad. But now... You're saved. You see, you know what? Back before I was saved, I used to do whatever my filthy flesh wanted, but now I don't, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm sanctifying myself, and this body, this vessel, it's not going to be defiled with alcohol. It's not going to be defiled with drugs. Why? Because I've separated. I've set it apart. I want it to be used for the glory of God, and that's why it says, too, in verse 22, it says, Flee also youthful lusts. You want to know a lot of you, you know, you young people in here specifically, there are certain things that, you know, you all are going to be tempted with that are pretty common where there's people that are older that maybe aren't saved. They're not as tempted with those things anymore. You know why? Because they already got their belly full of it and they figured out it's pointless. Okay. They know what it's like, but you don't. Okay. There's still something in you, even if you're saved where you're going to have a desire to do those things, you're going to be tempted by those things. But what you've got to do, you've got to recognize the fact that I am not what everyone else is. Okay? And, and again, this isn't, you know, this isn't something that we're proud of. Okay? This isn't, I'm not telling you this so you can get lifted up with pride and just say, what, you know, look at what I am. What you are, what makes you special is Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. Just like that tabernacle that they made, listen, it was the work of man's hands. 
It was, I believe it was a good, impressive work for the most part. But at the end of the day, what made it special is the fact that the glory of God anointed it and sanctified it. And the re- only reason that you're special is because of the fact that the Holy Spirit indwells you now. But you have got to recognize, it is so important that you recognize the fact that you now are not your own. And so those youthful lusts, that concupiscence that's in you, that, that interest in the things of the flesh, you need to have enough faith to recognize that you will not get any fulfillment, for one. You will not be fulfilled. Those things will not make you happy. They'll give you a little bit of pleasure for a season. Okay, But at the end of the day, what you really need to just understand is the fact that this body is not mine to just do whatever I want to with it. And let me tell you something. These preachers that are out there today that are basically promoting carnality in the church and they're using grace as an excuse to just bring carnality in the church, that, that folks, that's wicked. And they are not vessels of honor when they do that. They need to recognize that, hey, we are a church. We are separate. Our music is going to be different than the world's music. It's not going to sound like it. It's not going to, you're not going to feel the same when you listen to our music that you do when you listen to the world's music. Why? Because it's different. It's separated. It's sanctified. Now, I don't like it. Well, maybe your flesh doesn't like it. But you know what? It's time you get, start getting spiritual. It's time you start getting interested in the things of the Spirit versus the things of the flesh. We're going we're to be different in some ways because we understand the fact that this body does not belong. We've been bought with a price. Therefore, we are going to glorify God in our body. And if you got saved at a young age, you know, a lot of times Christians that grow up that way, or, you know, or kids who grew up in a Christian home, they think they're missing out. They think they missed out on stuff. Well, you know what? If you think you missed out on something, here's what you need to do. You need to go talk to all the people in the church that weren't raised the way you were and ask them if, they, if you missed out on anything. Ask them if you missed out. You know, and what you really need to do, too, is you should go soul winning and then go visit the houses that we visit with people who are doing everything that their flesh desires. Go, let's go talk to some of these people who never say no to the flesh, and let's see what they end up with. Let's see how that ends up. Let's go talk to the young lady who never said no to the guy and the guy who never said no to the young lady, and let's see what happens to these people. Let's see what ends up. Let's see what, you know, and I'm not trying to be mean or crude or anything, but I remember, you know, when I was younger, you know, I'm like any, uh, any other young guy, you know, you notice pretty girls, and I remember, you know, there was one in particular that I, that I worked with that was very good looking, that got a lot of attention. And I remember see, seeing her several years later. And it wasn't pretty what had happened to her after, you know, and, and you know, this girl said she, you know, she was, she was good looking. And, you know, she, she was one of these that was obsessed with tanning. You know, and it looked nice when she was like 18 or 19. But boy, by the time she hit like 30, her shoot, her skin looked horrible. I remember I saw her, and she was still addicted to tanning. She, had, she was what they call, uh, she had tanorexia. I've heard, I've heard them call it that. I remember I saw her in Walmart, and I was just like, oh, my stars. It was scary. And, you know, the truth is, some of that stuff, it's fun for a little while, but it doesn't last. They, you know, that girl that you're, you're thinking about throwing it all away for, she's not going to stay looking that way. And I'm telling you, it is horrifying. What happens to some of these people? It's horrifying what sin does to people, folks. I've seen them when, when they turn it, you know, they turn into druggies, 
I've seen some of them too. You know, they're in their 30s now. They're still skinny, but their teeth are all gone because they've been doing drugs. And it, it, it's absolutely horrible. Those are the people you need, to, you need to talk to because that's what you're being tempted to throw everything away for. That's where it's going to end up. That's what the lust of concupiscence says for us. You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to flee also youthful lust. You know why we run from these things? Because we realize they can get us. We realize these things can hurt us. I, I wish churches taught this more about just how capable Christian kids are of sinning. Y'all are made out of the same flesh that everyone else is made out of. And what you just need to do is, one, have enough faith to just believe what the Bible says and just admit, you know what, is much of, I think I would enjoy that. Just say, you know what, I believe God and I'm gonna, not going to do it. But then hopefully, too, you'll understand I don't have the right. I don't have any right to participate in that. This body is not mine. It doesn't belong to me. And you know what? I thank God that you know I was raised the way I was, that I was taught the way I was, that I, I wasn't allowed to do a lot of the things that other people were allowed to do because while I did miss out on some things that might be pleasurable to the flesh, I don't have the scars, I don't have the pain that come later from those things. And, and, and I'm thankful for that. And you know what? I, I'm, I'm almost 40 now. I still have temptations. There's still things that you wonder about sometimes. But at, at the same time, it's like, you know what? I'm just going to keep trusting God on this. And I have no right to just throw it away. This body, it's not mine. It belongs to Jesus Christ. He purchased it. He's sanctified, and he's helped me set it apart so I can be used of God. I don't want to throw that away. Because understand that at this point in my life, if I were if I were to go back and do some of the same things that maybe some other people did before they got saved, I'd be disqualified where they're not. You know, I'd be done. You say, well, that doesn't seem right. Well, it, actually it is because I know better. I've been, I've been taught right. I have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside me. So if I was to do some of the same things that other people did before they got saved, you know what God's going to do with me? You know, he's, he's going to hold me to a different standard because of that. And I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to be done for. And we need to understand, you know, as saved people, we need to sanctify these vessels. And thank God he has sanctified us. Thank God his spirit has indwelt us. Thank God he has touched us. And so someday we will go to heaven. But... You know what? I hope everybody here will now sanctify themselves. I hope everyone will strive to be a vessel of honor and you will not be a vessel of dishonor. I, I hope you all will be, you know, even vessels of honor for our church. People that, you know, we're not afraid to send out in the community to help spread the gospel. You know, you're not going to go and embarrass us when you're out there. People that, we're, you know, we're not going to be ashamed to, to have you come up here and, and read the Bible or do something on a live stream because you're... You know, we're going to find out you're on social media doing who knows what. You know, we want people that are being a good testimony. If you have a good testimony, you know what? You're a, you're a vessel of honor. You ought to be somebody that makes our church look good. That's what you should be. You, know, that you ought to strive to be that way. And understand, if you're out there just sinning and doing all kinds of wickedness, you got a filthy mouth and you are just you got a filthy attitude, you're just mean to people, you make us look bad. You make God look bad. And we want... In this church, we want vessels of honor for our church's sake. But more importantly, we ought to be vessels of honor for Christ's sake. And if we're going to do that, we've got to realize this one body that we've got, it's special. 
I've got to sanctify it. I'm separating it from what because what everybody else is doing. Because I'm not supposed to live to the flesh. Jesus died for all those sins that I've, I've done in the flesh. He paid for all of them. And I don't want to take advantage of the grace of God. Because the grace of God that brings salvation, I don't want to preach tonight's message, teaches us the denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope. And it's like, man, I, I still want to sin. But you know what? Look for that blessed hope. When God changes your vile body into one like his body, where you won't desire those things anymore. And here's the thing, too. If you have purged yourself from these things and you've said no because you had faith to just believe that God knows better than what you know, you know what? You're going to be rewarded. You're going to enjoy those rewards for all eternity. And so uh, it's hard. Well, looking for that blessed hope. That'll just get you more excited about the return of Christ. And that ought, that ought to be our attitude. Many, many people today are wrong on repentance because of bad Christians. That's why. I, I just can't imagine... Somebody that rotten is still going to go to heaven. Well, I mean, truth is we're all rotten. You know, all our righteousness are as filthy rags. But, you know, when you do, when you do certain things, you just, you make it even harder for people to believe. Doesn't mean the message is wrong. It just means you've made it look bad. You know, people should just believe the gospel anyway. But I don't want to be somebody that leads people away from the truth. I don't want to be somebody that makes God look bad. And that ought to be your desire. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Dear God, I pray that this message will be a help. Lord, I pray that we'll uh, recognize the fact, Lord, we'll never forget the fact that you purchased us, you bought us. We are not our own. Lord, we have no right to drive this body the way we used to drive it back when we were in ownership of it. Lord, help us to recognize it's under new ownership. And I pray that we will uh, give it that respect, that we will set ourselves apart. Lord, not because we're special, but because you are special. And we do thank you for giving us that gift of salvation. Now help us to go forward and be sanctified vessels. And I pray we'll be all be vessels of honor. In your name we pray. Amen.